welcome to the Jonazo Podcast, where you get to peek behind the curtains of what it takes to create and run a seven-figure fitness facility that ranks in the top 5% of boutique fitness studios for revenue. But to be honest, that's the least important thing about us. Founded by me, Michael Hughes, Gymnazo has created an ecosystem of services that blend performance with restoration techniques and attracts top coaches to its facility. Hosted by its owners, Peyton and myself, and our top coaches, this podcast shares our best practices on everything from how to build a sustainable fitness business, to how to program for maximum results, to how to build a hybrid training module that's online and in person. We have marketing secrets, movement innovation, and breaking down trends in the industry. If you're a fitness professional or a fitness business owner, this is where you learn how to sharpen your skills and to see maximum results. Hey, hey, y'all. Welcome back to the Gymnazo podcast. I am your host, CJ Kobliska, the director of programming here at Gymnazo. And I got a special guest on the show today. His name is David Wett. People have been asking about you, saying, when are you going to be on the show? When do we get to hear from Wett and understand what the heck is going on inside of his brain, inside of his heart, inside of his gut? And what is he doing to this fitness industry? Welcome on, my man. Welcome on. CJ, it's an absolute pleasure. I love seeing your posts and uh, our alignment in the mission couldn't be more parallel. So this will be a great discussion for your audience and hopefully we can broaden the audience so that people hear the important information that will be discussed. Yeah. Welcome on, man. Um, I do want to give a little preface just on uh, who you are to me, who I see you as a, as a person of Junazo, um, and how you've influenced us greatly. Um, I got the pleasure of meeting you in 2019 after a experience I had in Peru with DJ Marikami and Tom Mountjoy, uh, Strong Camps and Primal Movers on Instagram. I met them out there in Peru for the first time. In the course of about a week and a half when I was there, they pulled out these ropes, like they're like jump ropes to me, right? And they're swinging them around on this beautiful green grass looking over the mountains and the Andes and we're just sitting there in the Sacred Valley and I'm, I'm observing them swinging the rope in these kind of a figure eight or infinity pattern and I observed from afar. I didn't, I didn't participate because I was more so just like, what is this? In my practice personally, I've done a lot of kind of rotational, diagonal, spiralized motions, uh, moving chi around if you will, but just experiencing my internal uh, intent and action and after talking to them them about the ropes, uh, I was like, I need to go sign up for a WEC method qualification course. And so uh, two months later, you had one in San Diego. And I'm like, ah, I'm going to this. Get to meet you, get to meet Chris Chamberlain. Um, after I went through their like whole, some of their chi torque course as well. So I was playing with a lot of my intent and recognizing the gains I was making in lifting and in performance and in speed was just simply changing my mindset. Um, and I was being blown away and just feeling so energized. Like I was, I felt like I was floating just in terms of my energy from that point. And so I was super stoked to come meet you at, uh, at that time in your life and my life. Um, and had the pleasure of going through the WEC method qualification and downloading not just the coiling core and understanding an application of the spinal engine theory, but also the opportunity to explore LFE, uh, limit force elastics, and understanding how to properly use a Bozer the way you intended for it to be used, as opposed to just a flat surface that's kind of wobbling back and forth. And dove into a lot of other movements that I hadn't personally explored, but personally resonated so much saying, where has this been my whole life? So uh, before I go into more of that story, if you don't mind what kind of going into the, the foundations, really the principles of like coiling core, spinal engine theory, and what what is that really as a concept and then in an application? Okay, so as a concept, basically what we want to do is we want to control the body with the greatest degree of coordination so that all of our effort is aimed at productivity and not protective, pensatory tension for lack of balance. And so the number one thing that we can think of for functionality is relate to gait because walking is the universal functional movement that essentially we do to do everything. And the capacity to transport yourself through space involves shifting your weight from the right and the left. And it turns out that this three-dimensional balance articulation of figure eights is really how we keep the continuity the fluidity and the perfect balance throughout the entirety of the movement. And balance for me equals coordination. So for example, if a cat is on a roof, someone pushes the cat off the roof, I'm going to say that the cat is not out of balance because the cat knows how to extend and flex and extend the spine and spot the ground and land on all fours without any issue because they have the control and the coordination. And a human being, when they're transitioning between the right foot 
and the left foot, what you have to do is you have to roll the figure eight, shift the head to where the foot is going to be at the landing. So the moment that matters when you're at peak ground loading force, you have to have the, the body coiled and set to go to the other side with balance. And in walking, if it's not stoppable and it's not reversible, it's not balanced. And it is simple to walk poorly and it is simple to walk extremely well. Walking with your head in the middle of your feet is a suboptimal way to walk. If you do it enough, you're likely to have chronic back pain, <laughs> which most people have experienced. Or you can put a little bit more confidence into your stride, a little bit more swag and move your body transformation transport it with a true balance, meaning everything, a lion doesn't have a bad back, right? The cheetah doesn't tend to have a bad back. They can get injured, but they don't have chronic pain because they, they're not so smart that they're somatically stupid, right? They rely on instinct, instinct and efficiency. They you can't, you know, they can't go to Trader Joe's and buy the meat, right? Where it doesn't matter how you move. So, so and anyway, so yeah, you jump and guide it. I'm trying, I want to give everybody as complete a background and to simplify this thing to basically say if we can walk stronger with balance we have the foundation for a better human species that can actualize itself preserve liberty and justice okay that's a very important fact right now physical education is fundamental education and we can build on that so the most important foundation you're saying is we need to walk more efficiently um, and allow ourselves to stack our head and our core or, or spine and our hips over our foot so that at that point when our foot hits the ground we have effort motion to our next step versus being pulled into maybe a certain attractor well, a stiffness, a rigidity. There's not a fluidity going from one side to another that is balanced on the pendulum of right foot, left foot, right foot, left foot. Maybe yes. somebody's more what, right foot what versus I, like what a I left would foot. Say, what I would say is that the word stack, we have to be careful with the word stack because most people I would imagine will, that will imply like, okay, segment over segment over segment. So mm -hmm. what we really have to do is spiral to the other side so that the, the stack is actually the head over the foot, but the center of mass is still in the middle moving straight. So this spiral mm -hmm. articulation will stack the head over the foot, but there will be a coiled core on one side, a long side on the other, and the figure eight will make that transition. So it's not blocky where I'm attempting to hold the neutral spine and shift my weight. And so unfortunately, in the, yeah, and yeah, spiral stack. And the, unfortunately, the fitness industry somehow got off course teaching this concept that you have to brace your core to do everything, to run, to throw, to kick, to swing, you know, well, we need a neutral braced core because, you know, the core doesn't generate power. It only transmits power, the ball and socket joint. And it was just this misunderstanding that led to suboptimal training. And unfortunately, it was the science community and, you know, the NSCA and the CSCS community that really bit into this concept that you got to brace neutral. And they were also led astray in terms of the utility of the BOSU balance trainer, which, you know, the narrative within that community, which is probably one of the most influential communities that sets the agenda for everybody else. So, you know, their impact cannot be under or overstated, right? They're some of the most influential coaches in the world, this NSCA, CSCS sanction. And they basically determined scientifically without studying a BOSU ball, they studied a different device, the DynaDisc, which is just an air cushion. It's not a stable or unstable like a BOSU ball, but they made the determination that BOSU balls make you weaker because they're unstable and that became the narrative and so what I, that used to upset me tremendously and now I look at it as okay good this is the ultimate opportunity to sort of bring the pendulum back into balance we can all get along in exercise it's going to take honesty scrutiny genuine attempt to be better not defend positions and then best idea win and I was just on the Joe DeFranco podcast that aired today an industrial strength show podcast with Joe DeFranco, an OG legend in strength training and as honest as you could possibly get. And it was agreement, 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 new concepts and a willingness to hear them out and understand them as opposed to a reflexive rejection. And that's why I, I, I am so grateful for my relationship with you and others like you who are truth seekers, who understand and know with certainty because of feeling first and foremost and measurable 
measurable. That's the objective reality that we absolutely need. And then success, greater success with clients than prior to this form of coordinating the body. And Rope Flow is this amazing community that is now worldwide. And you are one of the, the leaders and pioneers in this movement who's inspiring everybody to say, you know what? A jump doesn't have to be a jump rope or a rope doesn't have to be a jump rope. It can be a flow rope. It can be both a flow rope mm-hmm. and a jump rope. But if you haven't taken the time to understand and learn the patterns of flow that do not involve jumping through it, well, then you have suboptimized the utility of that tool. And I would say that it's the most important training tool on planet Earth. It's democratic. You don't got to buy mine. You don't got to buy any. You can buy your own. But what will happen is you'll end up wanting to buy like other ropes because each one's a different experience as you know, feel. Right? I want to I touch Slut- on a few yeah. things there. Wait. Yeah. Yeah. Um, go for it. And we'll come back to Slash too because I, I got lots of shout out on her. But you have really cool points in there, especially about uh, true balance, especially about truth seeking, especially about the thinking versus feeling component. So I want to break down some of those pieces so that there's more clarity around what you mean by feel it, and then you'll know it because those who feel it know it. But to try to extrapolate that, go into that experience and share it with somebody else, it's a matter of coaching them and teaching them the path that you took, but not necessarily saying that's the only path there. And so I want to come back to the first and foremost, the thinking and feeling portion. You said, once you feel it, you know it. And I think there's something in us that innately says like, yeah, we know this feels more fluid or more efficient, but either our prefrontal cortex, something inside of our brain says, that's not what I learned. This isn't correct. This is what I need to do instead. And it's bracing. So let's break down that concept first of it is more natural, especially as a child, as a baby to find that spiral stacking coming from a crawling position, working into our standup and then into walking. We start to find that, you know, baby's head, especially it's so heavy. It's kind of pulling different directions. We start to find that center, which isn't necessarily just between the feet. Maybe when we're standing, but as we're walking, you see this a ton. And if we can't control our head, we start to sway. At what point do you think we were led astray or we got out of touch with that natural spiral stack that is more efficient? It is more effective. It is sexier too. When you get into it, how do we start falling into this trap of keeping our head between our legs, keeping our core stiff? Is Was it part of the industry? Was it just something that we were exploring as humans? Uh, where does your mind go in terms of where do we get off track and lose touch with that natural ability to spiralize our load and find efficiency? Uh, it's a great question. And I would say that, you know, if school is, you know, rows and columns of seats and you're sitting there and, you know, you have to be quiet and, you know, okay, repeat what we have just told you to learn type of, you know, this rote memorization and sort of stay in your little cubby cell. I think that might not create the most confident human being. So, you know, standing up in front of the class and expressing something, articulating, sharing an idea is something that most people dread terror, right? The public speaking. Um, And so I would say that that perhaps casts a certain light. Then there's just misconception of, oh, a straight line is what's shortest between points A and B. So why would I want parts of my body not going straight? So it's just a misconception of how the biomechanics actually work, that if I want the center of mass to go straight without compensatory sort of like, you know, shifting balance to be protective so I don't fall over and I get these little aberrant forces throughout the body repetitively. It's, you know, that stand up straight. So that misconception, like you said, it will betray your natural instinct, especially if you're socially inhibited because you care what other people think of you and you don't want to be different when there are imposing figures in the fitness industry who will chastise you and ostracize you, make fun of you, vilify you, ignore you if you don't subscribe to what they teach. And what they teach is behind the art because they rely on science. And so if you want to be behind the game, wait for the scientific study. If you want to be ahead of the game, well, then go with the art. And the feeling is the only way that you can gauge in and hone on a skill. Like if you can't sense your output and then make a determination about it because you just, your nervousness can't remember it because you didn't even feel it. Well, then you don't learn it. And the example that I use is orange juice. If you've never tasted it, all the world, all the words in the world cannot meet that task of you understanding, knowing because you tasted, you felt, right? Give you a sip and boom, conversation not necessary. Now you know what orange juice tastes like for you. And balance, it tends to be 
what we want to do for the training is we want to exaggerate the balance, right? Really exaggerate it and then bring it in to where it's going to be. But if we never exaggerate it, well, who knows how far you could have gone? Because there's times in athletic movement, it's far from just straight locomotion. Locomotion is in all directions. You know, athletes do more turning than they do straight running. Straight running for most <laughs> athletes is punishment. You know, stop horsing around, go run 10 laps. You know, like, oh no, let me wear the baseball glove and play the game. So that feedback that when you learn to trust yourself and your own feelings and you're not encumbered by this social pressure from guys, right? The girls are mean in different ways. Guys, most guys are an asshole at some time in their life. They're an <laughs> asshole until they grow out of that phase. There's some who aren't, but you know, especially if you're competitive, I've certainly you know, card carrying asshole for time. Um, so the guys in the industry, they're very insecure. They're not the best athlete, right? They're not off making the money, with, you know, with the super high intellects. They're not, you know, putting people on the moon as it were. They teach people how to do squats and pushups, right? Oh, and we're going to do it better. And it's, I'm not belittling it. I'm just saying yeah. that, okay, their ego trumps their ability to feel and understand and know what is superior. And I think we're coming to a critical mass where this training can no longer longer be ignored. And I already see signs of it now, like, you know, the NSCA, CSCS guys will start to now talk about, oh, we got to use the lat. And when we said anti-rotation, we didn't really mean anti-rotation. Okay, got it. Okay, right. The story will come through, right? I noticed first, and I've been banging on the drum, and I've been vilified and made fun of, it's, but it's the people like yourself and the rope flow community and the athletes who are performing better with these ideas, concepts, and practices that ultimately makes it obvious all along and then we can all get along and even if we don't get along let's be cordial and let's best idea wins in, together. A, in a relentless pursuit of better that's it let me, let me touch on a few things man because that's again brilliant stuff and i want to share some of my experience so that it kind of brings something tangible into this and when i came into WAC method qualification um, back in 2019, I was I was doing a lot more trail running just before that. I was having a great time. We got a bunch of mountains here in Slow. It's beautiful. It's like you can go for a mile up and down. You can go for two miles up and down. You can go for 15 miles, wherever you want to go. And I was working kind of in this three to five mile range of how, how fast and how efficient can I be on the uphill and the downhill? What's my time going up? What's my time going down? What did I do the day before? I was kind of like just engaging with my experience more to, to tap into a more enjoyable experience as opposed to a chore I need to go run. I want to trail run. I want to go experience the sunlight, the earth. I'm, you know, I'm running barefoot here and there. I'm going putting my earth runners on my Vivos or my Kinnis, whatever the case is. I want to be in touch with my environment, right? And part of that is the experience of running. I mean, I, I've enjoyed running at times in my life, but I feel like eight miles or so. I'm like, let's, there's no point. I, I don't need to do it. But also there's sometimes in my life where I'm like, I don't want to go run a mile or two. It just seems like not a fun thing. I need to go run. But again, I was recognizing my mindset and these trails saying, I got my dogs out here. They're getting a work. I can walk here and there. I don't have to run the whole time. My times are important, but they're not the most important. I want to know how I feel at the end of this run during this run. And so when I went to Wet Method, it was three days, uh, two days. I was there for three days and we did uh, a lot of rope flow techniques, learning the basics of the underhand hands, the overhands, and even going into the dragons and the sneaks. And at that point, um, I learned things pretty quickly in terms of movement. I'm really engaged with my hands and my, my hips, my feet, know how to root. But I was watching some of these other athletes at the select method qualification that they were making this dragon roll, you know, the twisting right and left and palms down and palms up and rolling through it. And he's like, no, I'm, I'm getting my full body trying to like globalize this motion. I'm like, how are you making it look so effortless? Well, I'm sitting here getting toasted after six reps of a dragon roll going, what the hell am I doing? I got the rope to move, but I can't figure out how to talk to parts of my body to stop it and disassociate. And in that process of talking with Chris Chamberlain, talking with you, talking with Alex, and, and just the, the environment we're in of, of everybody supporting each other and learning this together, we're all leveling up together. It was encouraging to continue to figure it out versus like, I can't figure it out, put this down, I'm frustrated, I'm done. It was kind of this understanding of, of entering a flow state. You know, we've got there as athletes and as coaches as we get into this zone, but it's tough to do it intentionally if you haven't practiced working into that space. And I was finding that like, okay, my skill level's here. I'm trying to do something too challenging. I'm getting frustrated. Okay, my skill level is here. I'm doing something real simple. This is light, but I'm, I'm kind of getting bored. And then we started getting into the sneaks and stuff and figuring out like, okay, hand is uh, pronated or supinated or rolling with a thumb or the, the ring finger. I'm like, oh, 
I felt like I was diving into this this rabbit hole of beauty and like just projections of, of all this like sacred geometry stuff. I'm like, wow, this is like just sacred geometry, but with a rope. And so anyways, in that course of learning the loop force elastics, playing with the resistance bands and understanding how to use a 45 degree angle with intent. And there's a lot of sayings like, what's the intent for the event or rotational intent for the event? I came back and I knocked off five minutes off of my fastest trail run. And yes, I didn't do any weightlifting. It was all ropes and bands and, and bozus. And I was like, and pulsers. I think that pulsers were a big piece of that too, um, that I was doing it, but I wasn't doing it intentionally. So I'm losing some of that efficiency while I'm running and I'm getting out of touch and I'm getting tired. I'm like, ah, oh, I'm done with my run. Well, I was now applying that pull, double down pulse. I was applying this underhand figure eight. I was applying some of these ringing techniques that I was smiling when I was running uphill. I'm like, what the fuck is this? Mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. I'm going crazy. But it was it was so lovely that I was like, okay, there's truth to this. And oh my God, that's the feel it. This is joy. This is, this is freedom. This is ease. This is effortlessness. This is exploration. This is curiosity. And it just kept pulling me deeper. And I was like, I have to bring this to Gymnasium now. So we did some rope flow course. Uh, we did some workshops and some other things that people were getting better, no matter what athlete you were, or you're a general population, you haven't done any rec sport, everybody got better. And you know what happened? They didn't just get better. They smiled. They were mm. smiling while they were doing it. And they're like laughing. And then they're helping other people learn techniques that they learned. And it was just as simple as learning the overhand versus underhand. And like, there's like unwinding years of self-talk that's been negative or just just too rigid or just not even our own voice. It's been this wall of ease and effort. We're in this state of dis-ease and putting all this effort and force into something when it can be done so much easier and you can become stronger while doing it easier. And so I just want to share that because that was, it was a game changer for me. It brought a lot more joy into my training. And now I've never lifted a barbell and dumbbell and medicine ball throw the same way. It's mm, always yes, been, right. it's been different. Get, yeah. I would say that what WEC method is, is basically putting principles in practice across the widest set of modalities possible, right? And we have certain go-to modalities that are rites of passage. You see, what I think the fitness professional of the future has to do is practice with proficiency what you teach. Now, you go to the NSCS, you know, CSCS certification, you sit in a chair for four hours. Like, what are you learning? You're learning how to do a tall kneeling chop with a brace core. And okay, but did you get better at moving, right? It, like, can you walk with true balance? Yes or no, right? So if you can't even walk with true balance, what business do you have teaching phone functional movement if you can't even walk with true balance. Now, okay, answer the goddamn question, right? And the way you answer the question is you feel, you know, you do, you teach. And unless you're doing that, I don't think you deserve to be in the fitness industry. And we got guys like Ben Patrick, knees over toes guy, who is ridiculed and vilified like like he's got the blade. I mean, it's unbelievable what these people are doing to him. And he can ju- he added like two feet of vertical jump to himself. <laughs> but, which is insane. It's absolutely insane. Two feet. It's, it, it, I, that is, the, it's one of the most remarkable athletic achievements ever. And he did it with a unique methodology that is scientific and he's getting the results and so many results, but it's not a peer-reviewed study. So, oh, and it threatens me because my expertise now looks like it's in the shade compared to the sunshine that he's portraying, right? You can't do what he does. And so you have this, I think it's going to be a burden. People who aren't used to that where, oh, you know, I know scientifically because 13 soccer players for six weeks did this twice a week. It's all just the ruse. It's a sham. We need movement coaches who can move themselves. I'm not going to go to a dance instructor who can't dance. I'm not going to play guitar with some guy who studied music theory that doesn't know how to make the guitar sound good. And that's essentially what we have from the most influential branch in the fitness industry. And I'm putting the feet to the fire, obviously, but I'm not doing it with bad intentions. I'm not doing it with meanness and vitriol. I'm doing it with just no bullshit. Like, come on, guys. If you're wrong, you're wrong. If you're right, you're right. Get on the side of right and let's work together. But don't just ridicule me and boo me and ignore me when I'm introducing something like propulsors to the marketplace that are so game-changing and revolutionary they were patentable. The fact that nobody on this planet that we know of anyway has ever noticed that we can create greater ground force reaction with the arm coming forward if we just engage what we actually do and what the actual fast people actually do. They don't brace their core and they don't swing their arms like that. Yeah, that's why I I admire you so much because you do practice with proficiency what you're teaching. This isn't just oh, like, listen, oh, pulse. I'm 50, <laughs> I am 52 years old and you get me an NSCA coach and you tell them to come push me around. Come beat me in an agility race. Come on, let's do it, right? Oh, I'm yeah. 52 and you're stronger than me. Don't push me around unless you're like college wrestler or a pro MMA guy. Boxers, I'm like, you're going to have to have studied fight discipline a lot if you're going to push me around. And it's because my training, my athletic inadequacy was the motivation to be a better man because yes. I'm not as big, strong and fast. So I got to do something. 
there. And if I do your training, then I'm leveled up with you. And if you're better than me, I'm worse than you. But when I have insight that are unique and revolutionary and game changing, that the stubborn, ego driven, you know, drank coach just has a real problem with the high jump suffered this same attack, you know, a, a demonstrably better technique that in hindsight, get the hell out of the industry. You don't believe Fosbury's biomechanically superior because you don't understand physics. You don't understand biomechanics that the center of mass doesn't have to go over the bar, but it takes eight years for it to be accepted because the expert didn't allow it to be shown in the light of day for eight years, right? So that, and this is reality. And what we have to do is we have to create a critical mass. And I believe we are literally steps away from critical mass where we can all get over it. And I won't have to have the conversations like this that sort of put a little spur in your side and say, giddy up. Giddy up, right? Let's go. Let's go. Yeah. Let's go. You know, I'm going to I'm gonna take you to water. I can't make drink, but here's a little bit of salt, right? <laughs> You're going to drink soon. I got to ask you, when, you've been, doing, you've been at this for a while. You've been at this for a bit. And this is kind of just, like you're talking about this critical mass. Like, and there's enough people doing this. There's enough people that are passionate about it. There's enough people that are practicing it and bringing it to their communities that at some point, those communities are just saying, this just is. This just makes sense. This just is the way it is. And I feel better doing it. And I'm getting better doing it. The proof is in the practice of what I'm doing. You can see how I've gained more mobility, more function. Now, when you started this, what was kind of your entry point? I know you kind of like the, what the bows do, and I, I want to hear more of the back history of this because I know where we're at yeah. right now with this critical mass, but I think the history yeah. is important because you have, I don't want to go too much into the battles you've had to go through in the industry because we know that's a big piece of bringing something new, especially as an inventor, especially that's something that's going to challenge the status quo. Now, what drove you into this path? What was kind of that initiating event or thing that you did? And maybe it was the bozu, maybe it was just watching athletes and your mind was there kind of take us through that little bit of a story if you don't mind um, of how you've now made this it's a lifestyle you this is just what yes. you do it's how you live and your passion yes. shows obviously in how you speak um, and how you move um, and, and also the people that work with I mean just talking with Chris and how he applies the principles of what you're talking about into actual techniques and you this guy's pound for pound one of the strongest guys I've ever met in my entire life and one of the sweetest guys I've ever met Correct. because of what he's applied and how he's mentally gone and physically gone into experience it um, and Alex Nellis as well now creating the whole landmine system which is an easy way to install the coil and then have more yep. fun with vertical lifting at an angle. So it's more of that forward intent. What was your path into that forward intent that started to drive you to where you are now? So basically, when I invented the Bosu ball, I recognized the opportunity. I knew it would be a big success. So I worked hard to do that. And I said to myself back in that day that I was going to become the world's foremost authority on the subject of balance measured by locomotion. That set it into motion. Then I did a lot of work on balancing the brain and the reflexes and you know letting go so that I, I'm not tension isn't rising that prevents me from dropping my force to go fast, right? If there's apprehension or something, you lose your balance, the force goes up. It's protective. It's not seeking a solution. So then what really the biggest insight or the biggest factor that led to the greatest insight was my focus on my hand. So I basically had this philosophy that in the motor and sensory cortices in the brain, the hands have more real estate than any other organs except for maybe eyes and mouth, right? Right. So, and especially for motor, the hands can do just about anything, right? So what I did, I recognized that if I can now pattern my hands with these spiraling figure eights, and I can do that like with perfect synchronicity, so I understand the ratio, well, that basically, you know, hand bone connected to the wrist bone connected to the forearm bone, right? All those bones, and you have a fascial integration that gives you continuity and harmonizes the brain waves of your body to create a flow state. I remember there were times when I'd be tired or sore and I just didn't feel like doing a session that day and I would pick up a rope and I'd go really slow and then it would start to pick up and then I'd be getting a juice and now I was like okay I'm ready and roaring to go baby <laughs> so I could ramp myself up into that flow state where where my performance was better because my brain was in balance and my body was in balance and so that led to a deep study in the hands and I, I mean the success of the Bosu ball earned me the right earned me the ability to American dream it. So I, you know, I could devote everything to the study of movement with athletic inadequacy and a heart and a fire that Jersey's strong. Like you, Jersey just is. You got to kill me. Otherwise I ain't stopping.
top, right? That's how intent I am on winning and contributing, right? The more people who win with my methodology, the bigger my win. And so it's not this competitive drive to crush. It's a competitive drive to uplift. So my ego gets to be extremely satisfied if I help every person on this planet walk stronger with balance. And I have an ego and I want to satisfy it because I believe it deserves it because other people deserve to have this information that just wasn't, it wasn't in focus. People didn't notice certain things and they ended up being off the mark. And if you're off the mark, you're not on the mark. And there's nothing more important than true balance. True balance means that you're using all of yourself productively. And unless you, if you don't have true balance, you don't have true balance. Balance is a hundred percent or nothing in terms of the compensatory tension that you're laboring and burdening yourself with. And back pain is the scourge that, you know, harms just about everybody. And I had chronic back pain for more than a year and from weak feet, not knowing what I was doing, uh, you know, a, a slight injury to set it off. And then it was pain every single day without the knowledge to fix it. If I knew now what I knew then or what I didn't know then, I'd have been better in, in less than two weeks. Right. Chronic pain and I would have solved it within days. <laughs> I mean, knowing what I know now, right? So it's important information and we're all competitive in the fitness industry and we all have a unique selling proposition. Why are you going to go to second best, right? You only, you know, 24 hour <laughs> fitness competes on price, but we compete on expertise. So I cannot go to the marketplace saying I'm second best. I got to go to the market saying I'm best. But where that backfires is when, oh, I'm the best. Oh, I'm the best that prevents you from becoming better. And that's sort of like, oh, okay, you can climb up the ladder of the known rungs, but unless you figure out where the unknown rungs are, that's your limit. You're not going to go past it. And so what I've done is I've now identified key factors, causal factors, physics, biomechanics, reality, the clock says faster, so faster is faster. It's objective 100%. And that, you know, five minutes off your time and all you did was roll a rope around and stretch an elastic band to limit to define and understand your maximum coiled spring and your elongated, no slack in the system so that when you move, you move. Every ounce of you is productive. And that's five minutes off your time running up and down a mountain. And, and I, I felt mean, better. And I felt better and doing you, it. It wasn't like I worked smiled. much harder. And you smiled. And you see, I view certain training uh, information and modalities that I've introduced or created as rites of passage. You enter through the doorway prior to doing the ropes, less integrated and just unbelievably coordinated for the most basic things, which is shifting your weight and moving yourself, you know, with absolute perfect deliver and capture everything, right? Deliver and capture everything. Every sport gets better. And that's what the ropes are. They are a rite of passage. Isn't it interesting that WEC method really kicks off with ropes as your foundation, right? Because you can't know yourself as well as you will know yourself without that level of integration. And it is so simple and basic. You can take juggling and if you take away the balls, what is it? It's this. And you can take the rope and okay, take away the rope. It's this, right? It's perfectly coordinated, as coordinated and precise as juggling, but it's a ramp up so that anyone can do it. Not everybody's going to juggle well, but anybody can learn to roll a rope well with a little bit of patience and good instruction and the motivation of understanding the value in it. Why should I take my time and my effort to do this or that? Well, the reward at the end of that rainbow is now you have better skill and you're able to assimilate any other skill faster, including mental skills because of the brain balancing effect. And this, again, it's just information that it needs to be known, right? I don't want to go to my grave having people still bracing their core in neutral, trying to walk that way. That's not fair for them, right? So <laughs> yeah. bang the drum and practice what you preach with proficiency. And if you don't walk with true balance, well, I don't trust you. You better have an injury. That's why it better not be a lack of knowledge or stubbornness and this, you know, ego stuck in the mud kind of thing that unfortunately is the norm. Uh, it, Dave, it sucks. The rope, man. I think yes. this is one of those things that people are like, it's a jump rope, but just he's swinging it different. The inspiration that you got for the ropes, like where did it, was it just a spur of consciousness? Were you watching another athlete do it? I mean, I know some of the story, but I think it's very important part of this yeah. piece yeah. is recognizing that you, I don't want to say you didn't create something new. You did create something new, but it's always been there. The tool has always been there. Our yes. body's always Correct. been there. Every piece um, has always been there. You just happen to put it into now a technique and bring the principle and say, hey, here's the principle. Here's a strategy using the rope. And here's the techniques with the rope. And it's something that yes. we do a lot of at Gymnasio. We work from a place of truth, of principles of movement, understanding fascial movement, understanding there's biomechanics and individual pieces, but there's also this full unit and also recognizing there is 
an unknown territory. And that's going to continue to be unknown and recognizing that the more yes. you go into that, you're going to realize the less you know, because how vast that space of unknown yes. is, but you have to have an entry point that says, I can keep discovering. And that's what I love yes. about the rope is you showed, your team showed us some techniques and then I mean, we're seeing stuff that I've never seen before. I'm sure you've explored the ins and outs of it and seen a lot of these things that people are like, oh my God, look what I discovered. And you're like, yeah, done. awesome. Thanks for discovering that. Meanwhile, you know that you've gone through some of those, those similar entry points because they are doorways, they're yes. opportunities to explore it. But that entry point for you with the ropes, you're like, hey, I've been working with my hands, this fascial integration. I throw a rope in there. Where did that come from? Credit where credit is due. Absorb what is useful, discard what's not, and then add what's uniquely your own. In 2004, I met Buddy Lee, one of the best jump rope performers in the world. And what I noticed was a lot of the time the ropes going around and, you know, the, the jump, the jump, and then around. And I'm like, all right, well, I want to learn the around part. I already know how to do this. I can jump through it like this. I'm not as good as him because I don't know all the around stuff. Mm -hmm. And so I also, I'm lazy in the sense that I work super hard that I don't got to work hard, right? So for me, movement efficiency, I'm not even in great shape, but I can bake it and I can hang with most people because I'm so efficient. I'm much more efficient than most people because I've devoted my life to this efficiency. And so I, you know, took, Buddy gave me one of his ropes. I took it home. I said, all right, I'm not jumping through this thing for 30 days. And as soon as I started getting that, it was like, oh my gosh, like now I can understand martial arts and I can throw a ball better. I can move my entire body better. And there's four fundamental patterns that just emerge if you keep doing it. <laughs> you know, you can go overhand, you can go underhand, you can drag in its side or you can sneak. <laughs> and that's all you can do. Everything else is derivative on that, right? So I just organized it and I put it to the cardinal direction. So I created a compass on the ground. So it's north, south, east, and west, and then intercardinal direction. So I got eight, eight slices of the pie. I've got, you know, eight steps in the circle, eight steps around the circle. Those are 45 degree angles. And the rope, each pattern associating with a particular, you know, map on that cardinal, uh, on the cardinal compass or the cardinal direction. So now I'm scientifically organizing my balance, right? Because if the rope can essentially do the same flow and I'm changing my orientation to it, well, now, oh my gosh, the muscle memory that I now have and the subcortical capacity to use this now, it goes through the roof. And I care about performance. I do love rolling the rope, but it comes in stages. Like there's been years where I've done it like so much. And then there's been months when I haven't even used it. And then I come back to it and I go deeper and then I don't use it. <laughs> I come back to it, I go deeper. So it's it's a rite of passage that gets you to some objective through carryover. And, and there's people who love to roll the rope in the moment because it's amazing. And I understand that, but that's, I've already done that. So the reason why I do it is the carryover to everything else. So I care about performance and them spending a lot more time in my life without a rope in my hands than with a rope in my hands. And I'm doing a lot of activities that are not just rolling a rope, but having done the work to sink this down to just pure muscle memory. So it's reflex and instinct that I know where I am in time and space, every part of my body, and it's all integrated for action, fight, flight, responsibility, and the rope, nothing does better. So it was that Buddy Lee recognition. Oh my gosh, that guy is amazing. He moves unbelievably well. And I can download similar intelligence without beating myself up and getting tired. That leaves me with, if I never touch the rope again in my life, I can still throw the ball better. I can run better. I can onboard new skills better because I've gone through that, that doorway, that rite of passage. And so that's the way I look at training or one angle from which I view training that I want these NSCA, you know, CSCS guys to understand. It's not just tall, kneeling, chopper, right? I want to take you through a doorway that gives you a skill that now you can do things with more complexity, speed, power, endurance, all things, efficiency. And now let's get strong because the biggest knock on functional training is you're no longer getting strong. And mm -hmm. stronger is better as long as it's coordinated. And that's just fact. All this, you know, oh, this functional stuff, functional stuff. No way, man. You try to punch me in the nose with all your functional stuff. You still better be strong. And yeah. that's what you said of like, you, you haven't approached the barbell, the dumbbell, the kettlebell in the same manner because now you're employing 
deploying these strategies where you're getting more carryover from the implement. And if you were to do a max repetition, you are in fact stronger from this step, defining the aspects that need to be strong, which is side needs to be strongest. Side needs to be strongest. I need to be able to pass it from side to side. And then I need the internal and external torsion and all combinations therein. I have the recipe for high level movement that anybody can onboard if they have the, the determination and the knowledge. Knowledge is power in this case. And again, it institutionalized, oh, well, you cannot be a you know NCAA strength coach unless you have a certification from the NSCA. So tall, kneeling, chop, right? It's a game. It's and good. that's not playing the game fair, okay? That's playing the game with a scarcity mindset that you're terrified of anything that's going to contradict what you may think is best. I don't subscribe to that. You show me best. You show me where I'm wrong. Perfect. Now I'm right. I didn't have to go through all that trouble to figure it out. You figured it out and then you showed me. <laughs> Bang! Snap your fingers. <laughs> I, I would have preferred it, ironically, is if when I was born into this world, the people around me were rolling a rope and the people around me moved conflict. Like I would much rather have that the scenario rather than laboring through it for, you know, 40 years, <laughs> 50 years to figure it out right? and have injuries and stuff in my past that I, I can bet money I wouldn't have had those certain specific injuries I would not add had I had this movement skill when I was younger and competitive in sports. So the Buddy Lee rope 2004, I recognized the value of it. I trained like a madman for 30 days and I just never stopped, you know, and then it's just okay, periods of intense training, take a break, intense training. I want to ask you, have you gone through a phase where you've gone two, three weeks without touching the rope yet? Or have you always done oh, man. the rope? Well, I've started to recognize this more in my training, especially with the ropes, because when I first picked them up, I was like, man, I got, I'm getting three hours a day of rope flow. I was getting reps of, like you said, kind of start slow. Like, I don't want to move today, but I'm going to grab the ropes. And I end up being there for three hours. Like, I got the luxury of that time here and there without any kids right now. And my job is where I can kind of find some freedom in there. Where I'm in a state of my life where that was, it's worked out really well. Um, and then I got to teaching it and I found myself like without the ropes in my hands, I was walking yes. and running with this motion. I'm like, wait, I don't need the ropes. I'm going to go pick up a kettlebell and start doing stuff. I hated the kettlebells before 2020. 2020 hit, I got some kettlebells in my house and I was swinging them around. I was like, ooh, I'm like holding it this way, this way. I'm grabbing different ways. I'm like, just ex I'm, a, I'm an explorer at heart. I'm very curious in ways that I integrate. If a tool can be integrated or teaches movements and principles and strategies that I can carry over to another technique or tool, it's a good principle. This is something that is true across the board. 100% of the time, it's true. And so I would go through about of a couple of days, no rope. I'm like, I need to get back on that rope. But in that time, I'm like, I'm rope flowing in my mind. For lack of a better term, I'm not visualizing myself throwing the rope. My thoughts are figure eighting. My thoughts are sneaking. I'm getting new. My dreams change. I'm reflecting. Yeah, that's, so that's interesting. <laughs> you, you mentioned that. And DJ, DJ and Tom and others have pressed that, like Chris Chamberlain. The coiling core can tap into sort of that yogic kundalini and that serpentine like fluidity and power that like, oh my gosh, it starts coming up and you're like, woo, this feels good. It's the breathing without breathing too. There's like this, there's a, yes, there's a yes. sensation like my mouth is open and there's just air flowing in and out and I am putting no effort. I have, it's like a thought of unlimited power, but it's a yes. feeling of, it's a feeling of true expression. Like I am now yes. home. I'm in my heart. Yes. I'm here. Welcome. And it's like, I found my center. Uh, and yeah, I, I've and, been flowing. So I come back to the rope to, to bring myself back to that center. I'm like, okay, yep. I just spent 20 minutes doing underhand sneaks only. And then damn, I just spent an hour doing it. And then I don't spend any time doing it. Come back. But it's a, yeah, there's certainly stages and waves. And I'm finding myself more often too. Like I, I just did a, my thing this year has been getting more performance while barefoot. I, I've been working on it for about a decade. And now I'm finally taking my shoes off for like Spartan races for like three miles, eight miles, 13 miles at a time, pushing that boundary. And I find when I hit a fatigue level, all of a sudden, I'm, I mean, using your the ringing techniques we had chatted about with the ring finger and the thumb. And I'm like, yes. wow, I'm spending less time on the ground, but I'm getting a little bit more force into the ground. But I'm in the long run, I'm spending less effort to finish. And Correct. there's, I, I'm healing faster. I'm not overexerting myself. I'm training smarter. And so that, then I can train harder as opposed to, yeah, train smarter, yep. not harder. It's like, no, train smarter and then do it harder and then check yes. ego a little bit and come back. <laughs> yeah. Once you can experience the effortless balance, you've tapped into the effortless power. And once you can master effortless power, just that effort. Right. <laughs> it is so simple, right? If I'm efficient and slow is smooth as fast, and I've done that so much that I got it. All right, well now let's take it off and go. <laughs> and now you can trust it. It's there for you. And because thinking is too slow. So if you have to think about it, well, you cannot use it in real life. And again, there's movements out there that teach you stuff that is not in accord with the biomechanics. So it's like, I could do those drills till I'm blue in the face, you know, 
stuff out a cigarette behind me to go forward. Like, that's not what it is. That moves the center back. And it's like, okay, good. I mean, really? You know what I'm saying? And like, and then there's other systems that sort of all rotation, this twisting stuff. Oh, well, we're going to train the transverse plane. Like, that ain't strong. You would never teach someone to hit a baseball or throw or do anything that way. It's a preconceived notion that is suboptimal. Okay. So if you if your thing is to, you know, do these little choreographed things on a, you know, on a machine where you pull it out and, you know, and you take a three pound kettlebell and you, you can't even get in the ring, <laughs> get on the field and I will dominate you because we're using verticalization. We're using integration and we're getting strong. Like this, this idea that I don't need to be strong is so, so damaged. It's, you know, don't be afraid of strong. Like suddenly it's like, you know, the polarities are like, you either move well or you're strong. No, you want both. <laughs> right? And what about in terms of, so you got somebody, let's say they're very deconditioned. I'm not saying that they're, uh, let's just say they haven't trained in a very intentional setting. They haven't had a trainer in the past. They've never really attended a group class. They kind of done, you know, they, they experienced PE in high school and maybe some kind of rec sport here or there, but there was no foundational set of beliefs. That being said, a lot of people come in our doors that have never been trained before and they're in their 50s, 60s, 70s. And they're like, it's time for me to start training. Uh, we've had to find uh, obviously progressions to a point where we can apply uh, that coiling technique. We can do it pretty quickly just by saying landmark, right? Find the elbow to the hip. Um, but why we do it and how we do it and dripping the education when it's not overwhelming. So like, oh, this is too much. I don't want to do it. I'm just not going to get strong, right? We have to kind of, the behavioral yeah. side of it's very, very important. And that's something yeah. that we deal well, with uh, at Gymnazo yeah. um, is finding what's the entry point. What's the what's yes. the start of their bridge? Yes. Where do we want them to go? Where's A, yes. where's B? And can we find that unity where I can guide you along this walkway to you can walk the rest of the bridge and now go yes. explore yourself or come back here so well, we can share some more insight. Yeah, well, both Chris Chamberlain and Alex and Ellis are really, really good at not over-talking it and giving you a regression that lets you get a workout. You're not going to retain a client if all you do is lecture them on, you know, why you're doing what you're not doing. <laughs> you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like you got to get them into action. And so certain exercises will just land them there. I mean, just literally telling someone to raise their arm up and, you know, touch high on the wall, right? And now, you know, feel that. Okay, boom. All right, great. Now we're going to, you know, use this here and we're going to do a coiled movement and then we're going to do it on the other side. And now we're going to do something bilateral. They're sweating and they're, oh, my trainer is kicking my butt. This is exactly <laughs> what I want. It, you have to, the medicine and the sugar have to be combined because not everybody's a geek. They don't have three hours. They have 45 minutes and then they got to get back in the car and do the other thing they got to do. They want the workout. They want it fast. And fortunately, you've been able to find ways to regress something. I mean, maybe it's not two hands with the rope at first. Maybe it's just turn the rope with one hand, right? No, you find what they can do and you do it in a manner that exercises them. So it's, they don't care about learning until they care about learning. They care about my, oh, I need my heart rate, my fat, you know, my muscle. So you got to give them that. And that is the delicate balance. And, you know, we're demonstrating over and over and over again, people like yourself. And as their capacity grows, now you can throw more at them and now you can throw the unexpected at them. And now they have the capacity to construct the motor engrams that can assimilate whatever the next task is. And so now working out isn't boring and the same thing. And you're stronger than the person over there that went, you know, sort of, oh, oh, I'm going to do, you know, I'm going to break. Doing things that are suboptimal for the carryover outside of the gym. I want to tear down the walls between your life and your workout. So that, you know, it's not just when you're in this room that you're paying attention to moving well. You know, you want to move well all the time. And what we do at WEC Method is we just say, listen, first day, we want to put you on the path to independence. We want to train you in a manner that you can train yourself, <laughs> right? Because that is going to be your best outcome is, you know, I can get hit by a bus, right? <laughs> Maybe you move across the country. We need you to take charge of yourself. And when you're focused on that balance and continuity, it's the inevitable conclusion. Someone has a fundamental deeper sense of confidence. We've got an NFL guy who, you know, a little bit sheepish and, you know, wasn't sort of bold, but, you know, the way we rib him and play with him and give him that confidence, right? I mean, now he comes in, he's one of the guys, you know, he's, he's playing that game too. We're having fun. It's my home, man. So I, I could be myself here. You, you, yes, you really exactly. let your truest right, right. expression come out. You're like, yes. you're seeing people smile and lifting and going quick and sweating their ass off and getting their ass beat. Like, that's one of the most fun things to me. You're a crazy person. You're smiling and working 
working out, you're absolutely crazy. And that's what, right where I want you to be. Be there, be there now with that. I do have a confession. I mean, with the, as I came up as a trainer, it was a lot about education and sharing. That's, I mean, that's how I learned in high school, in college. I'm learning through kinesiology and it's a lot of lecture. There is a, a point of uh, hands-on and learn by doing, but it's like 10% of the education. And so you're, I'm receiving a lot of these uh, theories, these principles, these these things that are truths, but to it with a certain um, caveat, like you can only go so far with this truth. It's not like a pure truth. It's not really a principle. It's just another strategy that somebody found that works, but it may not be the bigger picture. It's just part of the picture. And so I fell into the trap and I'm still working through these kinks a bit, but I'm wanting to share. Like either I get really excited and want to share all these pieces and what I've learned, the benefits. I'll learn to hide my cards a little bit and say, you don't want all this. I have all this. I can share with this and I'm going to continue to find out where I can really, I can let some stuff go on you where you can now use that cue or use that technique or use this idea of what we're, people come in like, what's the benefit? Why am I doing this? It's like, we'll just do it. You'll, you'll know it. But they're like, I don't want to do it. That's where I have to kind of pull out some of these things of like, what's going to help with your balance, your coordination, your stability, both sides. Like, oh, okay. I'll do it. Yes. Yes. Okay. okay. Knowing your point. audience, knowing your audience is very important. And if you got a 63 year old who's sort of, you know, getting into exercise, the message to them that we're going to be extremely safe and we're going to, you know, this is going to help with the activity that, you know, you're not going to grow old. You're going to, you know, maintain robust movement and health as you get older. And here's why we're doing this exercise. If that person, especially if they have an intellect where they are genuinely curious, but you're still allowing them to do work. So it's not a 10% work ratio to information, which is unfortunately so much of the education is done in that manner, where it's like, you know, physical therapists who would, you know, here's an ice pack, here's the e-stim, here's the, you know, whatever hydroculator. Okay, done. So now I can service 20 people at once because all I'm doing is putting ice and e-stims at the bottom. That's not an enlightened way to make the most improved, right? And the personal trainer who is sort of locked in this paradigm of, oh, you know, that the three planes of motion operate independently. So I'm going to categorize my exercises as, oh, this is a frontal plane exercise. Well, actually, everything you do is a three plane exercise if you want to know the truth, right? (laughs) And there's nothing so great as the figure eight. If I twist, I got to stop and go. If I figure eight, there ain't no stop. That's fluid. And the really good ones can tighten the eight so you basically can't even see it. It goes so fast, but it's still Mm -hmm. a figure eight, right? You you don't want to go to one and sort of like stop in a twisty manner that doesn't incorporate that role, right? The, mm-hmm. the role. And even by virtue of doing the figure eight, there's a natural like external rotation on the downside and an internal rotation on the upside. So the figure eights are undulating too. So it's eights upon eights and the different joints. And you feel the benefit because I know when I see you running these Spartan races and you're doing this, you're going faster and I see a smile on your face. And so my objective is with people like yourself, keep going blades the trail because you are inspiring that group who doesn't have the time, who doesn't have the capacity perhaps. And that trickles down and it trickles down. So what the best are doing five years, you know, now takes five to eight years to matriculate down to the rest. But every step stronger for everyone is a mantra that I take literally. I mean, to tag every post I do with a hashtag, every step stronger, because that's my objective. And so Mm -hmm. there is absolute crystal clarity on the outcome that I want to achieve. And, you know, it's telling, it's speaking truth and information with you. And now it's chastising those who have taken a little bit too long to sort of come to reason and to say, okay, I am willing to accept the relentless pursuit of better may include new things. (laughs) Let me ask you this, because I've got, I mean, you've been doing it for so long now, your whole life, but primarily the last 20, 20 years or so, right? Really focusing in, harnessing in and learning how to simplify this for the masses so that they can walk this similar path and to excellence and to freedom and to every step stronger and really uh, embodying what that means. Where do you think we can go with, this is really physical education. This is what physical education is, is experiencing the physical side of it and then getting a light reflection on it, but just recognizing what you're experiencing, which is, I think is, is, has been disregarded in the Western side for, for lack of a better term, just Eastern versus Western is we're very much thinking, thinking and doing, uh, not doing it, but doing the thinking. And the Eastern side is more doing the feeling. You're just being the feeling. And so where's this merger of doing the feeling, of searching, but also just allowing? Uh, How can we change this whole physical education that's not just in like an elementary school or high school, but in terms of our human ability to be educated physically? How does this, how can this start? Because obviously when we're born, we have innate ability to go through these spiral stacking or through this coiling core spinal engine. What needs to be changed or what needs to be shifted? What needs to be pioneered? 
pioneered and started, well, maybe it's already started. I mean, you are on that wave. It's all trickling down. How can this be the most effective uh, way to educate individuals? Yeah. What age do you think great it is question. or what process? Great, great question. And I have a root answer. The way that humanity is going to be best physically educated is by osmosis. It is not overt explanation. It is your mirror neurons witnessing around you the way that people are moving with confidence in the swag of a head over butt. And then that's what you're going to do. If the people are speaking English, you're going to speak English. Speaking Spanish, you're going to speak Spanish. Not one ounce of like you weren't sit down in a chair and explain what the lesson plan was. It was literally osmosis. So how it happens is we're going to inspire the very best athletes in the world across all sorts to be better at what they do through better usage, you know, understanding the causal factors and then training them and they will inspire the next tier down, the athletes who may not become professional, but it's a massive part of their life that affected trainers, that affects the regular people. And within a generation, we can make this all subcortical so you don't got to bother teaching people because they already know. You, the tigers in the zoo and in the wild, none of them who were ever told what to do. They saw what to do and they felt what to do. And a human being comes into this world as plastic as a blank slate. You can carve whatever record you know grooves you want to into that human being. There have been cases where a child has been put in the backyard to live with the dogs six to seven years later. Child doesn't speak. They walk on all fours. They eat with their mouth. Bark. If that isn't the best example <laughs> of plasticity, you come in nature, nurture, a heck of a lot of it is the nurture in terms of how you're going to apply and use the nature. And so that's what we have to do as a fitness industry. We have to come together and understand that I'm in this industry. I'm going to treat myself and the industry with respect by practicing with proficiency that which I teach. And true balance is the most important fundamental foundation to support all things. So if I'm walking with my head in the middle or telling people to brace themselves stiff to try to throw a ball, I'm actually working against humanity. Okay, I'm working <laughs> against nature and it's not sustainable. And so that's the way it's going to happen. And it's going to happen. While we're talking here, I just got a text from Joe DeFranco and I didn't read it, but it said, hey Dave, check this out. You know, I think you're in the next text. I think you're going to get a lot of response like, you know, da, da, da. So we had a conversation that was honest, engaging and collaborative. And he's from Jersey. The, the integrity in that guy, again, you'd have to kill him. <laughs> Otherwise, you know what I mean? He's not going to sell out. He's going to do doing good truth. things, man. Yeah. It, well, you're doing good things. What I try to do with my Instagram page is I try to engage and inspire and motivate and recognize everyone in Rope. If you do a post on Roblo, I am following you and odds are I have reposted one of your videos into my story because you are the people who are changing the world, right? If one of the best, one of the worst traps that you could be in is having pure gold and not the capacity to share it with anyone else. Think if you go back to our ancestry, your greatest mission was to be a greatest value to your family, your tribe. That's what your greatest mission in life was. I'm going to go catch the rabbit. I'm going to feed the family, right? It was a collaborative effort where you wanted to shine measured by the degree to which you could help your community. And that works in these little small communities. Once you start to make it big, well, now all sorts of layers can begin to complicate things, right? The less genuine sort of competitive drive, well, I'm here to conquer you and make you work for me, <laughs> right? That becomes the objective. But now we have the capacity to transcend and get back to the root element, which is physical education is the fundamental education. If I betray myself at the very root of physical education, I cannot hope to optimize my mind and my spirit. Beautifully said. And I think with a lot of the trainers, athletes, coaches that are that are watching this, listening to this, there's a lot of beautiful points that I think we can attach ourselves to. And it's a matter of physically practicing it so that you can embody that where it just naturally, I mean, you talk so passionately about what you do because you do it, you do the thing and you feel the thing. And so from the outside, if you haven't tried the ropes, if you haven't tried the pulses, haven't tried the poses the way that they're intended, you know, going through one of the WEC method courses, going and searching out a WEC method qualified coach or somebody who's gone through that process uh, with the landmines, with whatever the tool is that you guys have come up with, um, or even just applying that principle principle to whatever you already do. I think that's the beautiful thing. Uh, what is something that maybe a unifying message to inspire? I mean, you've already had so many, but a unifying message in terms of this physical education, in terms of the future of this industry, in terms of what we can do in our communities to help for the better, to make every step stronger for the betterment of not just our generation, but the next one's following. So they can have this biosmosis, naturally have it coming in saying, these ropes, this isn't weird. This is my weird. This is how I do it. This is how you do it. This is how we all do it. It's all very fluid. Uh, what is something that can unite and unify or speak? unify this field, those who are inspired to take action and to serve at a much deeper level, a much thorough level, a much more truthful and honest level, uh, what may that message be today? Um, well, I would say that, you know, if you just go to the analogy of put your own air mask on first before 
where you try to start helping others because if you don't have yours on, well, now the, to- the clock is ticking whilst you're trying to help someone else. And if a problem happens, well, now you're both in big trouble. So what I would say is develop your greatest relationship with gravity and the ground, right? So learn how to not live in sort of physical misery from chronic pain. Injuries will happen. You know, bad things are going to happen. You may have to compensate with a limb for the rest of your life because of something happening. You don't want it to be that slow, torturous, oh no, it took 10 years and now I'm really tied down to chronic pain. And if you're going to actualize humanity to optimize the human condition, you want to give people the equal opportunity to, to do and accomplish what they can do and accomplish. And you do not want equal outcome. So it's okay if you're better at guitar and I'm better at, you know, violin, that's okay. And if maybe I'm not the best guy at sports, even if I love it, but I want to self-actualize myself. And then we want that creativity and that independence, the independent dance, the independent. You come into this world, you're, a, you know, you come out of mommy, you're alone. You go out of this world, you're alone, right? It's a limited window of time. How well can you fortify yourself to be a value to others? It's very, very simple because I believe that that is actually the most rewarding thing that a human being do rather than, you know, the creature comforts or the luxuries in life that if you get those, great, fine, better to have them than not, but they won't lead to that genuine fulfillment that's going to put your soul in the best position to go meet your maker, <laughs> right? So the more that we can help ourselves and others to conduct ourselves and orchestrate more fluid, balanced, powerful, strong, and competent movement, the better off everyone's going to be. And that's why the fitness industry is one of the most important industries that is underperforming to a level that is unacceptable. Look at the fitness in America and then understand that there is an industry devoted to fit a fitness industry. If the airline industry were like the fitness industry, you'd have a plane crash. You'd have several planes crashing every day. <laughs> if you want to really evaluate what we are doing, our colleague, we have a responsibility to, you know, come hell or high water, whether it's inspir- inspiring, uh, positive peer pressure, even negative peer pressure. Let's get people on the same page that coincide the reality that we're all accelerating to the center of this planet at 9.8 meters per second squared, <laughs> specifically at sea level. And nobody gets to not do that. And don't get weighed down by it. Use it to, to be strong and then to gracefully age. So it's not this arc and then boom, it's this arc where as you physically deteriorate your technique and coordination continues to get better so that you're actually performing net those two factors better with age. And at 52 years old, I do many things better than I did at my athletic prime because of the coordination, the attention to detail and the detail being efficiency and not accepting inefficiency. I know it's a long answer. <laughs> I think it's a answer that can continue to be reformed and adapted to as life continues. And for every person that's listening to this, I think there's parts of that answer um, that are going to resonate really well. Yes. And I encourage them, I encourage you, whoever you are, uh, feel into that because that is truth. That is, I mean, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you, guys because every time I chat with you, I just feel inspired. I feel this flame come through my heart and go like, yeah, we're, we're doing it. We just need to keep doing it and trust that process yes, and realize it, it, yeah, it's not one person. It, it, it's all of us. Yo, God, yes. And they say, you know, Einstein kind of, you know, if you do the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result, well, then you're insane. Well, I'm insane because I'm doing the same thing over and over again because I know that behind the wall are the diamonds, okay? And so I'm going to keep drilling. Even though I didn't get there today, I'm going to keep on drilling the same thing over and over again. Relentless pursuit of better. Relate to gate. Every step stronger for everyone. Same, 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 same. Boom. Hey, dirt. And everybody going to get better. And it's power law, right? Not a lot of change. Not a lot of change. You break through the wall. Woo! Year two, the fitness industry's all walking stronger together. <laughs> and we're changing the world for good. <laughs> I think that's simple. It really is. Man, I really hope we can do this again, Wack, if you'd be you'd be willing to, um, especially as Anytime. this year progresses. Anytime. Yes. Anytime. <laughs> right on, man. I think that more people are coming around to understanding that there's there's answers that, oh, there's questions that are unanswered. And the only way to truly answer them is to drill deeper and to recognize that when you get to an answer, you probably need to keep drilling. There's more questions. There's more things we need to consider, but you know your 
truth, the more you practice what is right and what is wrong. And there is a piece of this that speaks to that true north, especially when you start working your, your cardinal directions with the rope. I mean, that's what separates the boys from the men, I think, with this one. Uh, the real people going to the next step is recognizing what, what are you intending to do? What are you actually doing? And can you meet in the middle? Can you become what you're doing? Yeah. Can you enter and that flow? Suddenly, a guy who came to mind as you were saying that is Edward Troyce. So mm-hmm. Edward Troyce has taken rope flow and he's taken our principles of cardinal directions and he has perfected it personally to a level that is, I mean, it's something that if you're in the rope flow community, you should just check him out because if you want to enhance your flow, the scientific process of calibration of orientation, the specific where and when, and if you have the cardinal foundation, your flow will be more free when you turn off thinking and sort of let yourself go in any direction. So the discipline of having that precise, mathematically precise information of angles and and orientation will give you the capacity to, to to glow with the flow and that lets you show <laughs> so we all grow <laughs> it's weird how rhyming comes in when you start flowing yeah the rhymes just come I know, right. <laughs> oh yeah when you know <laughs> you can put on the show <laughs> all right man um, i truly appreciate you and the time that you've given us in this conversation and really looking forward to the, the next step in this i don't think there's a there's this top it just continues to grow stronger and we get closer into that source into this community of thriving together and not we're, we're competing but we're competing with ourselves to be the best to serve our community in the best way as opposed to I serve better than you do and I need your community in this community because there's no way we can serve every individually or as one one spot we have to do this together we have to Absolutely. hold hands we got to walk into the center we got to explore away from it and we have to continue this process this pulsation this growth together so that we can keep this heart beating in this industry as opposed to continue to let it die and suffer and be so aggressively out of touch with nature so I am man. so grateful for you and all that you do and I love watching watching your practice. So please keep sharing and drilling because I love watching your practice. Thank you, man. That means a lot. <laughs> you hold a special place in my heart. All right, guys. Uh, until next time, go check out Wet. What's the best way to find you, bud? Um, I know you're on Instagram, on, uh, on, online. Yeah. How do you want people to reach out to you and uh, jump into the, um, the it, fist, it, the ropes, yeah. the RMT, all that good stuff? Yeah, if you want to go deep, there's a place you can do it. <laughs> um, Weckmethod.com. There's resources in terms of training and tools. And then the David Weck on Instagram. And I may just rally myself to create my own podcast in which case you will be a guest on my show so if i can sort of put that together then i most likely will all right brother love you you guys go check out WAC. it will change your life for the better peace hey y'all i hope you guys enjoyed today's episode and if you did please share it with your fitness obsessed friends and peers who are also navigating this world of fitness and trying to succeed with the trends and misinformation As you guys can see, this podcast is basically a masterclass for trainers wanting to level up in their coaching skills and their fitness business model. We launched this in 2020 because you and your fitness tribe deserve to see an unfiltered look at all the aspects of what it takes to stand out as a next generation coach and build a successful fitness business. So share it far and wide. And please, when you do, do me a favor. Take a screenshot of this screen and share it to your social media accounts and use the hashtag Gymnazo Podcast. That's hashtag Gymnazo Podcast. That way we can see you and share your post with our audience. And finally, when you're ready to go to the next level as a coach or in your business and to reach more people, please go check out gymnazoedu.com. We have put together the best 90-day coaching program on the market for trainers wanting to become a masterful practitioner and build a business that gives them the freedom and impact. So let us help you do just that. We have online training and one-on-one coaching to guide you through a full 90-day certification. We even get you training our clients live because it's always better to work out your kinks on someone else's clients than yours. But we promise you this, your clients will be blown away by the transformation our program will help you make. You'll be masterful at a whole new level and part of an incredible community of coaches worldwide taking their skills to the next level. So if you thought today's episode had some fire to it and inspired you to take action, wait until you see what we deliver on this program. So just go to gymnazoedu.com and we'll see you on the other side. Remember that turning your passion for fitness into transformation and sustainable business is critical to reaching the people and lives you were put on earth to help. It matters and truly can make an impact in other people's lives. So I hope you do that. Keep sharing your passion and we'll talk to you soon.